We got wrestling couples breaking up, Dragon Ball Z, the WWE with more firings of head honchos, and a new base project getting postponed. All that and more on this episode of Tap Out Talk. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 19, The Head of Hollywood. We got a lot to go over today, but I want to go ahead and get right into our first feature story. As we talked about on this edition of Tap Out Talk, Roman Reigns is definitely having the best incarnation of his career in the WWE with this head of the table heel run that he's been on. Even before securing the Universal Championship, he's had the title for over 455 days now. But the rumblings have started, and is his time running up? Um, it's a crazy motion for sure to think about, especially the recent wrestling fans. He has been such a staple in the overall program, and I've said it before here on the show. He really has been the best thing going on in the WWE product today, and that's why Friday night has been the delight. So after last night's, or excuse me, the other night's promo on SmackDown, people are starting to wonder if Roman could leave. His promo was a little bit of a mysterious and a little bit cryptic, and you got to think the uh, WrestleMania world has been rumbling with this Roman versus The Rock and thinking that this would happen in WWE, but one might suggest that this may actually be happening instead on a bigger screen in a bigger stage, that is Hollywood Hills. So here is the message. If you guys missed it on SmackDown, a lot of people in the Twitterverse have caught on. And you can still catch it, I believe, on the WWE Fox's Twitter account because they reposted it. And if I quote the post, I am your tribal chief. I'm the greatest of all time. And when my days are done around here, which could be sooner than later, the whole world will acknowledge me. There are certainly those that believe this is a, just another way to get heat for Reigns and the product. But it must be stated that he is leaving very possible and very soon, though. He has left to work in the past for like movies such as Hobbs and Shaw, something that you know he has a charisma and a passion for, very much like his cousin The Rock. And he's got a doorway right into Hollywood with Rock and Cena. Um, it was with The Rock that um, he also, you know, of course, worked on Hobbs and Shaw. The ensuing storyline involving Brock Lesnar took an interesting turn, and it was told to the audience by Kayla Braxton in an episode of uh, End of SmackDown the other night that Brock Lesnar was released from his suspension and he would be returning to SmackDown next week. Next week's Reigns is now set to face Sami Zayn due to the uh, him being the winner of the first contender battle royal. And Zayn won that battle royal the other night. But what does Brock's presence mean for the head of the table? And can he be the one to dethrone the tribal, treat, uh, tribal chief Questions, questions, and overall, pretty good way to get people to tune in, right? So that's a hook in the business. Now, it's interesting because um, I feel personally that Brock does not need to be the one. Beating Brock now, um, Roman has to beat Brock, Brock. He's always kind of been the guy that had Brock's number. And I feel like the WWE needs to push with this, right? And I don't feel that throwing the title on a part-time Brock Lesnar champion to allow Roman to leave and go to Hollywood is going to make and you know cut the grade, especially this close to WrestleMania season. So it called me crazy. I do believe that Rock versus Roman can still happen in the future, if not at SummerSlam this year, which I do think that is the dream money match. 
I feel like that it will happen either there or over the summer, possibly a SummerSlam, right? Um, I feel like The Rock could interfere or could be a special guest referee or something to that nature, depending on if Hollywood will let him wrestle. And that's the biggest thing. Now, will Roman leave for WrestleMania? Yes. Yes, he will. But will he leave soon? Not as soon as you guys are thinking. Okay, so I really believe that this match with Brock is going to last up and through the Royal Rumble. And at that point is when we're going to get the surprising WrestleMania season heat up. And it'll be um, Rock versus Roman. Now, I feel like Rock and Roman could happen. Roman could have some projects on Slate where he could actually go and do some film work. And maybe even they could do a Hollywood backlot brawl at WrestleMania. I think that would be a fun way to have this feud happen. And just a street fight. And call it a Hollywood backlot brawl. And just have fun with it, right? Just and flashing back to WrestleMania 12 with Goldust and Roddy Piper. So that's kind of our top story here today. Uh, you guys let me know if you feel that Roman will go to WrestleMania or not. So let's get into the rest of the program. we got a lot to cover. I've got Cody Rhodes news. I've got couples breaking up. I've got some Dragon Ball Z. You heard it right. Dragon Ball Z, one of my favorite anime shows, right? So here we have Tap Out Talk. Like, share, and subscribe. You guys know the deal and love to connect with you on Twitter in the Twitterverse. All right, so the first story here from Dudleysville to Splitsville. This couple has just broken up recently. Velvet Sky and WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray, or Bubba Ray Dudley, as you guys know, announced on social media that they have broken up. The former couple each put out a similar message and said that it was an amicable split and no further comments will be made. Okay, so Bully Ray and I have decided to part ways, Sky wrote. There is no animosity and we will always be cool. We wish each other well in life. This will be the only public comment we'll make. So it's interesting, right, because the two have been together since 2016. Velvet Sky currently worked for the NWA as a color commentator. Bully Ray last worked for Ring of Honor and he left when his contract expired in April 2020. He currently trains wrestlers at his Team 3D Academy and is actually a co-host on Sirius XM's Radio's Bustin' Open podcast. So, um, you know, you hate seeing couples split. It seems like these guys have been dating for a good four years, five years now. And, I mean, you know, some marriages don't last that long. So I wish these two, you know, the best in their future relationships. And I feel like um, they did this the right way. You know, a lot of times, you know, people think breakups need to be bloody and awful and they need to always validate who's right and who's wrong in this case they took the high road and it was very respectful and they just said hey this is where we're at this is what we're doing and you know what they respect each other and that should be the end of the story and nobody should be worried about it any further right because this is their personal life a lot of you guys probably didn't even realize that they were a dating couple but it is from Dudleyville to Splitsville so let's move on to our next story and hit the road our next story, again, I love is Dragon Ball Z. Um, the New Day, if you guys remember a few WrestleManias ago, WrestleMania 32, The New Day, actually came out. They love coming out in different style costumes and WrestleManias. And The New Day, they're known for their colorful and unique gear. And I enjoy trying to figure out who they're imitating or what designs they get. I just love that when wrestlers put that into their, you know, their work. Um, they pay tribute to many other things throughout their career with their gear. But one notable was... Uh, a bit of a pushback at first and um, the Luminerity podcast recently spoke to Big E where he admitted that his faction received some pushback from the WWE for the WrestleMania 32 Dragon Ball Z gear. You might remember that one. It's where they fell out of the big box of cereal, right? There was nothing that they could really do about it once the fans saw that gear 
and it all came down to licensing because Dragon Ball Z is not property um, that the WWE has rights to. Then again, that also seems that the reason behind many things around Vince McMahon's company, right? We did get some pushback on the Dragon Ball Z stuff way later after WrestleMania 32, Big E recalled. But we're of the impression, especially for WrestleMania where it's a one-off, and it's like once you're out there and wear it, you can yell at us all you want and you can yell us to stop it, but it's a one-off. We're done with it anyways. So it's kind of like, hey, you just went ahead and you got what you needed and you're good, right? And the fans remember this kind of thing. So, And he says, goes on and he continues, says, I will say that I like the fact that Mattel, and I like when Mattel can make all the elements for action figures, so um, I was a little bummed that they couldn't make Dragon Ball Z shells, even though, like that, the packaging for the, the gear came in the Budios box. Um, and you open it up, which is very fitting because we came out of the Budios box at that same WrestleMania in Dallas, I believe. So sometimes we get flagged. I feel like there's only been like two or three instances I can think of where it's never really been a big deal. And it's just sometimes it gets flagged and sometimes it doesn't. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, copyrights are interesting, right? And, you know, it's a form of flattery, I always say, you know, so when somebody kind of, you know, it's a difference between stealing and deliberately trying to make money off it versus a form of flattery. And I think that's imitation is flattery in the best way. Um, when, well, we'll have to see if the New Day are able to bring the Dragon Ball Z concept back later on in that the WWE could really use this to their advantage, really, just to market with the kids. And then, you know, no matter whether people in the office wanted the New Day to bust out that gear, tons of fans were still happy to see the mashup. And I think I would enjoy seeing a lot more mashups. And, I mean, I always feel like that could be the New Day's thing is to really kind of do these mashups and kind of say, oh, I know that anime or, oh, I know this person, that video game, especially the video game world, man. I mean, let's be real. He's got the up, up, down, down channel. That right there seals the deal for him being able to do imitations in his entrances. I want to go ahead and I want to get into the next story. So we're going to go from some company decision news to a little more company decision news. So I was shocked to find out over the weekend um, that the WWE released um, one of the, a lot of office workers recently, but this included Stan Sansky, who was the WWE uh, Senior Vice President of Creative Services, okay? Uh, and due to the employees believe that no one was safe from getting released in the WWE. Well, I've learned, and I was kind of shocked to learn that Christina Salen, previously stepped down from her role as the WWE's chief financial officer one day after the company's quarterly earnings call. Uh, Frank A. Riddick will take over her role as she steps down. The WWE officially announced in a corporate disclosure that the former um, chief financial officer, Christina Salen, entered a separation agreement and she will receive a continuation of her base salary for six months. That's a tricky, tricky situation when your CFO steps down and has to work a negotiation out, right? On November 13th, or excuse me, November 23rd of 2021, World Wrestling Entertainment, being the company, entered into a separation agreement with Christina Salen, formerly the company's chief financial officer, in connection with her previously announced departure from the company, the separation agreement, right? Um, under the terms of the separation agreement, Ms. Salen will receive a continuation base salary health insurance coverage for a period of 12 months. She will be paid cash in the amount of $413,000 for certain forfeited restricted stock options that will be eligible for a payment in respect and her incentive uh, bonus for 2021. 
to be determined by the compensation committee and the board of directors and currently estimated at $431,200. In each case payable on or before March 31st, 2022. That's a lot of lingo there, right guys? Um, All payments are subject and applicable to employment tax holdings. The separation agreement contains other standard provisions, including maintaining Miss Salen's intellectual property, confidentiality, and non-solicitation obligations. The separation agreement is terminable by Miss Salen until November 26, 2021. Okay, so it's an interesting note, right? There's a lot of words there. Now, um, I have been on the phone with Christina Salen on some uh, some business calls. So I've been on the phone with her. Uh, she was okay. Like she, you know, just really was going over the numbers and stuff when we've had these calls and just going over those kind of, um, you know, things you would hear at stock meetings, right? And how the company's doing. And she would just, you know, give the number report. Um, you know, seemed like she was doing an okay job. Did seem like, you know, interaction was minimal. Um, it was said that Christina Salem was not well liked in the WWE. So, you know, I wonder like, you know, outside of the public face, if people just did not like her or did not get along with her. And if they said, you know what, we want you out. We don't want you doing this job anymore. And they worked on a settled separation, right? Uh, We wonder what is next in store for her now that she's no longer with the company. I'm sure, you know, when you work for a first class organization like the WWE, you're going to have options, right? Because that's on your resume. So um, when you have a long tenured career or you have those options, um, somebody will pick her up and, you know, assuming that she'll interview well and do things the right way. So I wish Christina the best in her future endeavors and be interested to see whose voice we're going to hear on the next one. Uh, which should be this Frank guy. So let's move on. And from attacking the upper offices all the way to another type of attack that happened in WWE this last week, the Seth Rollins attacker has been revealed. And he also has given us a motive for attacking Seth Rollins on Monday Night Raw last week. Uh, It went all over the Twitterverse and all over social media. And we found his name is now Elijah Spencer, who jumped... Uh, the WWE superstar, Seth Rollins, he jumped over the barricade and chased him down in the ramp this past Monday, and he has issued an apology over the incident. A 24-year-old claimed that he was catfished on social media and was prompted him to, which then prompted him to attack Seth Rollins on Monday night. Now, Rollins' attacker is able to speak about the matter, and he seems apologetic. I apologize, he said, I apologize to the WWE for my actions, Spencer told Daily News. I had a legitimate beef. Um, but as a grown man, I could have settled it in a different way. If I saw him today, I wouldn't attack him. I've moved on. Well, that's very nice of Elijah Spencer. Uh, Spencer was 24 and after attacked Rollins after jumping the barricade on the November 22nd uh, episode of the Rollins, and he ran right down the ramp and just football tackled Rollins. He tackled Rollins from behind while the former WWE champion was making his way to Gorilla. Uh, security intervened and prevented the attack from causing damage to the superstar. He later released a bizarre video uh, that was actually seen. You guys can kind of Google it and find it. Wherein he claimed that he was had legitimate beef with the former WWE champion. And he also thanked WWE officials for taking me off uh, Colby Lopez, which is Seth Rollins' real name. The strangest part of the video, though, came when the 24-year-old said he did it for Rikishi. I did it for The Rock. Um, I did it for all my tribal family. Okay, obviously imitating an old school promo 
from Survivor Series years ago on who rolled over Stone Cold Steve Austin with the car. Um, Rollins, on the other hand, spoke to TMZ that day after the incident. He admitted that the encounter scared him a little. Um, he goes, it's terrifying, brother. A 35-year-old said he continued, no, no serious injuries, nothing like that. I was safe. When we were safe, everything was okay. And he also declined any additional medical attention after that. So, you know, Seth was shaken up, but not really. It was more amped up, you know, if you've seen him after the attack. And I did like the fact that Seth came out after the attack actually happened. So the attack happened initially, and he got in. I mean, the guy got Seth on the ground and definitely had his way with him at that point. And um, then security restrained him, and he was being dragged out of the arena and then at that point, Seth came back out in the ring, and he started playing the crowd and acting like, oh, where is he? Where is he? So I think Seth did a good job of playing to the crowd and making sure that they were totally cool with how this went, right? Um, but it's crazy. So I would say is, you know, this guy's not going to be allowed to be back at the WWE or ever attend an event ever again. Um, it seems like a little bit of an odd character. I don't know him, so I can't say anything about him, but he just comes across that way based on the reports here. Um, to fall for a catfish, um, you know, if anybody on social media is claiming to be a WWE superstar, do not fall for it, guys. Okay, look at the accounts you're talking to, and if there's a little check mark next to it, it says verify. That means they're a verified person, okay? But the reality is, um, I would not, if the, no WWE superstar is going to ask fans for money. Okay, no real wrestler, no nothing. Apparently, he was cheated out of three thousand dollars by this person, which now he has to just chalk up as a life lesson. And they probably got a little entertainment of him getting arrested on it, too. So, um, he's got to let it go and just kind of move on from that. So, that's the end. We're going to move on. So, speaking of crazy fans, all the way from the really good ones, right? There's the fans that attack people in the WWE, and our next story is a story of a super fan acknowledged by the WWE and you guys might know him as the super fan Vladimir okay so Wrestlemania 37 weekend Vladimir appeared during night one of Wrestlemania with Triple H and Stephanie to announce the documentary they also named him the first the first ever uh, officially certified WWE super fan and presented him with a plaque in an update on this story reports are that there are now zero current plans for the film to see the light of day the Vladimir film was the 100% post-produced, completed, and there's no official word on why it's not being released. Um, Insider, PW Insiders speculated that unless someone with major power makes WWE, you know, the decree, the film won't be seen any time, the daylight anytime soon. Um, WWE has had not much communication with Vladimir in sell, you know, quite a few months, about several months. And the longtime pro wrestling fan who still lives in New York City has reportedly had some health issues as of late. It was noted by Pro Wrestling Insider that if WWE releases the film in the new future, they'll have the change the end because of it saying January 1st. Uh, some of the ending will have been outdated by that point. So a film streamed for one week as a part of a Los Angeles short you know, documentation series earlier this year did receive positive feedback. Uh, WWE last promoted the documentary on the September 10th edition of SmackDown on Fox, featuring a promo for a future network programming that ran in Madison Square Garden. Um, the documentary uh, not featured during last night's Raw. So basically, 
the WWE has shelved a lot of these projects, okay? Um, you guys might remember Vladimir from, he's that guy, you've seen the picture here, he's always sitting front row ever since the 80s or 90s, and he's sat in every event in the front row. He's the super fan, right? And you always wonder who he was. Because you're like, how can you afford to go to all these shows every single time? But <clears throat> like all sports, they have super fans, you know, and he was the WWE super fan. Um, so when you look here, there's no word on these projects and if they're going to be brought back to life. Um, there had been talk of the WWE trying to spin off their original documentaries in addition to try to gain more revenue um, by licensing them to third-party providers, so potentially A&E, but there's no update on that front either. So I, I feel like um, I feel like Khan is going to – I feel like he's ultimately going to go ahead and try to make more money off of these, right? So – why put it on the WWP Cock Network for a $4 paywall when he can try to sell it to some other group like a Netflix or an A&E or you know, one of these and try to get these other exclusive documentaries? I feel like he's just trying to make money all these other different ways instead of putting it on the network. And that kind of gives me a gripe with the network. Um, WWE Network was amazing. Okay, It was an amazing concept, and it was great. You had anything WWE you ever wanted with new comments and documentaries all in one place. And you got all your pay-per-views, and it was well worth you know, the subscription service for a WWE fan. The Peacock purchase has been rough. And I mean, I to the point, I have a hard time even finding stuff. It's not organized well, and I don't think it has half the catalog that it did have. And so now I feel like I'm just paying for pay-per-views streaming rights and i'm digging through the vault for some few other things right but i still have yet to see the same kind of layout that i normally would in that service so regardless i mean it'd be nice to have new projects like this to check out so um you know maybe one day we'll get our our wwe um full peacock version right the best thing they probably should have done is just had a paywall with peacock to actually stream it and go into the WWE Network section, then it would zip back out, you know, through Peacock, right? So, I mean, that could have been a way to go about it, and that would have been awesome. So, um, and I think that would have been a great, you know, partnership where you'd have both services for X amount of dollars, right? But anyway, um, that's the way the business world kind of works. And I want to go on down the road to our final story. And that final story is a rough road. And what I'm talking about with you guys is... The one, the only, the American nightmare, Cody Rhodes, right? So I want to kind of just recap here before we head out. And one of our stories here we have is Cody Rhodes turning heel. And I want to know that. Is he turning heel? Do you guys like him as a heel or as a baby face, right? Um, think about it. His actions the last few weeks, he has, he's been wrestling. He's been working really hard. And then people have been harassing him. The fans have been harassing him a lot. Which, you know, wrestling fans will tell you whether they like or hate something. And then he deleted his Twitter due to the harassment. Okay, so he got rid of his Twitter. Um, I think it's just rough, you know, when people are kind of, you're trying to do your job and everybody's harassing you. And then um, he's at a rough time with the fans and he was teased going up and down. So on this last week of Dynamite, he was having a rough time with the fans. He was throwing his belt out to them for the crowd. They threw it back, almost John Cena-like heat. And then he teased going up the heel ramp. And then he stopped and he went up the face ramp, right? Um, then he reactivated his Twitter as an AEW community outreach account, which I thought was a really great idea and a great face move. So now you take all these hundreds of thousands of followers that you have and you say, well, I'm not going to be on social media anymore. But you know what? Let me use my powers for good. 
and let me use this as the AEW community outreach account that I can transition it over and give it some good use in the world. So good for Cody for doing that and turning a bad thing into a good thing instead of just quitting and abandoning it. Um, I will say this, like Cody has, you know, worked very hard in this company and I appreciate Cody and Brandy to the end of the world here because um, if it wasn't for Cody and them, they might not have AEW, right? Um, he may just be in the WWE still playing Stardust and Brandy would be in NXT announcing maybe, right? So at this point, um, I like face Cody. I like that he's a good guy. I like that he's that one kind of shining good guy in the company. Now, I feel like, you know, we could see a heel turn down the line. Um, I think the day that that happens, he should go back to dyeing his hair black. And I feel like black, dark-haired Cody is the Cody that turns heel. And that's the Cody that gets an AEW championship title shot. Because remember, he lost to Jericho a couple years ago and saying the stipulation that he'll never get an a, a title shot ever again. And as a face, he can never break that rule. But you know what? As a heel... He doesn't have to care about that rule. And he could come back and demand a title shot as the American Nightmare, right? So he could be the dream as a face, or he could be the nightmare as a heel. You guys decide. But I do feel like there's still some value at Cody as the face, and I do believe that we'll eventually get to the heel side of that, and that's where you're going to see a little bit more of that darker work and that darker you know look and stuff and i feel like brandy will fit right in with it being perfectly right there by her side well guys that's the end of the road and i know that was a rough roads but cody roads there and then let's go ahead and head down the line to the end because it's been great having you guys and i just want to say like share subscribe and this has been tap out talk and it's not goodbye it's game over